0: The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment. Coors Light. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We are also brought to you by the SGPN app. Our app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The SGPN app gives you easy access to all our picks, podcasts, and it's the exclusive place to enter all our contests, including our $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Gomez. As always, find me on Twitter, at RJ Gomez. A little bit of a different style today, as I've got a full house with me, and we are going to talk projections. Our team has been hard at work over the last couple of months. Some of us harder than others, because some of us have never done this before, so we're trying to figure it all out together. But uh, we are all getting called into the principal's office this week, because Adam, the man who has assigned us all these projections wants to talk to us all about our projections and to really get into why we did what we did and who we put where we put. So uh, Adam is going to actually take charge of the discussion for the most part. I I get to sit back and play quality control today while everybody else gets to talk and uh, and defend their projections. So uh, with that being said, I have got one Scott Simpson with me. Uh, I've got Nick Dan, I've got Daniel Titus, and of course I've got Adam. Uh, we are all here today again to talk projections. So uh, it's the normal rules apply though for this as far as we've got three minutes on the clock per set of discussions. So gentlemen, when you hear this sound... That means you have 30 seconds to wrap it up. And then when you hear this sound, that means we move on to the next set of whatever Adam is talking. So I'm gonna be timekeeper and I'm gonna be quality control, but now I'm going to turn the mic over to Adam because Adam is going to begin this discussion very soon. Adam, first of all, thanks for uh, taking us all into the the principal's office and uh, I'm looking forward to having you run the show.
1: I'm not running this show. I'm just the one bringing the heat right now. I mean, somebody (laughs) has got to do it. I've told you from day one, Rod, you got to be less nice to these people. Okay. (laughs) You're bringing foolish takes to the table. I need you to smack people around a little bit. That's what I'm here for. Setting a tone.
0: Hey, all my (laughs) guests are quality. Okay. All my guests are quality. I just want you to understand right now, their takes are all wonderful. All right. Who is first to the table? We're going to bring Nick uh, over into the office right now. Nick, please into the principal's office uh adam you have got three minutes on the timer uh now okay one thing i do need to we're going three per uh the the um scenarios here right that's how we're doing yep. it okay perfect uh just so you guys at home know that's how we're doing it <laughs> so all right three minutes on the clock adam uh go ahead and ask nick what the heck he's thinking about bridgewater versus Locke in denver bring
1: it bring it on Nate. talk to me what you're thinking here i don't understand Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke split in time this season. What are your thoughts on this? I'm trying to comprehend. I'm trying to understand why you think they're in the same category.
2: Well, you know, neither's a great option. And no doubt about it, each one is going to start multiple games. I don't know who's going to, you know, start the season. Uh, maybe Locke, but at some point, both quarterbacks are, are going to play. So when I was looking at projections, the easiest thing to do was almost split it 50 50. This year, with seventeen games, you can't you know go eight and eight. But I guarantee you, both guys will see a lot of time because let's face it, neither is a great option. Uh, I, I mean, I am a Teddy Bridgewater fan, but you have to realize his limitations, especially with a roster that's not great. He's not going to make those around him better. As far as Drew Locke, I mean, he showed some promise as a rookie, but he definitely regressed in his second year. So a lot of question marks there as well. Uh, you know, like I said, neither is a great option.
1: I mean, obviously we hundred percent know that neither of them is who they needed to be. They needed to pull the trigger on their and Rodgers trade. But if we're looking at it and you're thinking you're a Teddy Bridgewater fan, I mean, I just, it's uninspiring. There's no leap to be had there. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be who he is, you know, especially from a fantasy perspective. He's going to be one touchdown through the air game. He's a little bit better of a runner than Drew Locke, but there's just no pizzazz there and we saw it last year in carolina he threw the ball but that was only because they were down and then he came out and he tried to throw his offensive coordinator under the bus as the reason why he sucked in the red zone and i got news for you teddy you got legs you can run why are you doing this i think that then i think denver's making a huge mistake if they're not rolling with drew lock for a good chunk of season until he gets hurt or he proves that he just can't hack it he's just got that upside he's got that He's that big-bodied, strong-armed quarterback who can sling the ball all over the field. There's no reason his completion percentage won't go up. He was 64% as a rookie, down to 57% last year. Some improvements on the offensive line, hopefully, and just better weapons all around him. He has talented, talented receivers. You have to believe that if there's a quarterback about to take that big Josh Allen-esque step, This year, it's Drew Locke. He's set up with the receivers. He's set up with the coaching staff. He's familiar with the system. I mean, I just, if they go to Teddy Bridgewater, that just seems like coaching malpractice at this point. And I'm not excited to roster Teddy or for any of the Denver receivers if Teddy Bridgewater is the guy.
2: Well, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to disagree with too much there. But who gives the, uh, the Broncos a better chance of winning? I mean, Teddy can manage the game better than Drew Locke. I mean, look, last year 16 touchdowns, 15 picks. His uh, his QB rating dropped 14 points. Uh, you know, I understand Coraline Sutton went out for the year and he was playing with a bunch of, of you know, young, young wide receivers. But uh, he should have showed more year two if he's your guy. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. All, all right, right so, Rod. What we got next? Speaking of a know. pair,
0: yeah. Speaking of a pair of guys in Denver, we're going to go back there for Gordon versus Williams in Denver. This is enticing. I want to hear all about this. So uh, let's take it away, boys.
1: Yeah, I don't understand how you have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams splitting time. Denver's never had a 50-50 backfield split since Vic Fangio's been there. Every year he's been there. It's been about a 60-40 split. 2019, 259 touches to 175. 2020, 247 to 125. It was almost a 2-1 to split. There's never a 50-50 split, regardless of how you feel about Javante Williams. And if you're all aboard that Javante Williams hype trains all the power to you, I will gladly Trade you a bucket. Of, I will gladly trade you him for anything you're willing to give me, including a backup kicker, because I just can't see him being productive in that Denver offense, um, especially with Melvin Gordon in front of him. Melvin Gordon's a better player, a better pass catcher. I can't see the Broncos taking Gordon off the field that often.
2: Well, I'll say there's a reason why they drafted Javante Williams, and I am a big fan. I watched him a lot at UNC. I mean, he runs with power and speed. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he's got a nose for the end zone. And let's face it, Melvin Gordon is 28. Uh, you know, for a, a running back, that's that's pretty damn old. So I expect Gordon to start the season getting two-thirds of the touches, but Come you know week eight, week ten. I think it's going to be closer to fifty-fifty, and maybe towards the end of the year, Broncos probably won't be in playoff contention. They're probably going to want to see what the young guys can do, and that's when that shift is going to go two-thirds, one-third in Williams' favor. So if you're looking at the year as a as a total, I think uh, you know the amount of touches is going to be pretty similar. And like I had in my projections, I think Williams will actually do more with his touches. I think he'll average more yards per attempt. And he'll also average more yards per reception.
1: I mean, but Melvin Gordon's a guy who, you know, has career best or second best year of his career last year, 4.6 yards per carry. And through the air, he's just an underrated pass catcher. He had his lowest yards per reception, actually. And I think that with Drew Locke taking steps in that offense, those receivers really taking the top top off more and defenses keying in more on... Sutland on Jerry Judy and just everything they have in that Denver offense. I think you're going to see Melvin Gordon picking up a lot more yardage through the air. I mean, he only had 158 yards receiving last year and that was his career low. Um, You know, he'd never been under two, under 300 yards since he was a rookie. So I can't see a guy who's always been a consistent close to four or 500 yard pass catcher, just have a crappy year like that again. And again, just, you know, this is Melvin Gordon's last year. And they're going to run him until he dies. You know, I mean, they're going to run him until the wheels fall off. After this year, Denver doesn't care. Javante Williams was a pick for next year, not this year.
2: Well, I will give Gordon credit. He had a better 2020 than I expected. But at some point, he's going to fall off that cliff, as all running backs do. And that might be this year. I think he helps groom Javante Williams. But late in the season, I think those touches go to Williams
0: oh melvin gordon how we miss you in the charger powder blue uh speaking of powder blue we're gonna move that way we are going to talk about two tight ends who i'm hyped about one and not necessarily hyped about the other but uh, we're gonna find out what everybody thinks about oh, holy junk jared cook versus donald parham of the xfl gentlemen Dive into this one
1: Nick, I'm going to be honest. I saw your thoughts that Jared Cook was going to be the lead tight end, and I honestly had to call Sean and ask if we could terminate you for <laughs> this slander, this slander against Stetson University's own the pride of Texas, Donald Barham, the 6'8 XFL wonder kid just the disrespect there's 93 vacated targets in this Chargers offense and you're going to give it to old man Jared Cook if Jared Cook and I ran a foot race right now I would beat him he's old he's broken down he had a he had his worst year in a decade last year he just he's only there because he knows the system he knows Lombardi's system that's the only reason he's there
2: look the crafty veterans got one more solid year left in them once again, he was brought in for a reason. I mean, look, Donald Parham, I know he's six 6'8". Uh, you know, people are salivating over his potential. But the dude caught 10 balls for 159 yards and three touchdowns last year. So I say we pump the brakes on the Parham trade here, uh, train here. Let's see what the, the guy can do given a bigger role. I think uh, these tight ends are, are, are going to split some time. They'll both get their catches. But I think Jared Cook has one more solid year left in him. Nah, his last solid year was last year. He had his nice little seven-touchdown
1: swan song. He should have gone. He should have retired. Donald Parham, though, the thing you need to remember is over the last three games last year, he went 36% of snaps played, 81%, and then 53% of snaps played. He saw his red zone targets go up massively. You know, he was targeted three and four. He was targeted... Three four three and four times in his last two games, he got starts in five games. He just really started to become a trusted part of that offense. He really started to become a guy that you can look to. And if you're Justin Herbert out there, you got Keenan Allen running crafty routes on the outside. You need that big bodied guy over the middle in Donald Parham. A six-eight guy like that, that's just a great target for a young rookie, a young quarterback. And that's just something that's really going to be unlocked this year.
2: I I agree with his size. He is a great red zone target. But, I mean, if you look at my projections, I have him catching uh, basically more than double the amount of balls as last year, almost double the amount of yardage. And you know what? I had four touchdowns. You know, maybe I'm a little low there. Maybe make it five or six. But basically my projections are are pretty much doubling his his output from a year ago. So I'm not, you know, down on par. Maybe I'm just not as high as you.
1: Yeah, I think you're taking a safe little double little double check swing here. You know, you should be swinging for the fences with Parham because, again, there's 93 vacated tight end targets there. Mike Williams is an up-and-down receiver. There's no true second option right there in L.A., and there's no reason Donald Parham can't emerge to be that guy. We saw him do it in the XFL where he was just absolutely dominant week in and week out. He was the leading receiver in the XFL, not tight end leading receiver and I think that's just going to carry over now
0: you know Adam's XFL roots are showing so much right there. Look at and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm all in on the parm train, too, uh, especially that now that Henry's out of the picture. And, you know, again, there's just so much more. And I know, uh, like I said, Jared Cook, Jared Cook, but whatever. Um, all right. That's for quality control. Uh, we are going to move on now to the NFC East. Uh, Dan Titus is with us. He was quality control, but now he gets to own the mic, uh, but he's got to answer the principal. So we're going to take a deep dive into into the NFC East. We're going to start first with uh, Fitz Magic, my friend, versus Danny Dimes. So I want to hear the reasoning behind this. Adam, what do you got for Titus?
1: I just have an absolute tongue lashing for the most disrespectful thing I've seen since the Donald Parham slander. Brian Fitzpatrick is QB 23. Four slots behind Danny Dimes, who can't even run 80 yards without tripping over his own feet, has inferior weapons, and... I don't even know. Jason Garrett calling plays for him. When was the last time a Jason Garrett offense was good? Ryan Fitzpatrick is a top 15 quarterback this year. Not even a question. He's got just unbelievable weapons. Terry McLaurin out there on the outside, Curtis Samuel. Uh, You're going to see Logan Thomas have another big year, and then you got the running backs, and it's just going to be a big year for Fitzmagic. This is his swan song. This is his first year making the playoffs, but from a fantasy perspective, he's that late-round guy who's going to carry you and just put up huge, huge numbers week in and week out. I mean, that's.
3: I think Fitzmagic is actually a decent quarterback, but we're talking about fantasy football. This guy is like... He's, what, 38, 39 years old. He went to Harvard. Like, the dude is a career backup. And every time he gets the moment to shine, he played decent in Miami last year. But ultimately, we knew what was up. He's the old dude that's eventually going to lose his job. So how long is it going to take him to lose his job? Listen. And this is much of what you were talking about with Melvin Gordon, right? Like, Melvin Gordon, you have all this hype and belief in him. He's 28 years old. They they drafted Javante Williams for a reason. Much, much of the same, I think Kyle Allen, he came over with, uh, with Ron Rivera from Carolina, he was serviceable before he got hurt. Alex Smith made his heroic, monumental return, and he willed those Redskins to the to the uh, almost to the playoffs. And to be honest with you, like I think that he's gonna. Ha- I, I slate him to have a good season, right? He's not gonna have a better season than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has a slew of weapons around him. I totally agree with you. Jason Garrett, not the best offensive coordinator, but he is fantasy friendly. And you did talk about a lot of the receivers that, you know, the the Redskins just tooled up with adding Curtis Samuel. You know, we already heard that Antonio Gibson is going to be getting more work in the passing game. It's certainly going to help Fitzmagic, but this guy's not going to be able to hold on to the game, hold on to his job for six for 17 games this year.
1: Not happening. You couldn't even identify the right quarterback he's gonna lose his job to. He's not losing it to Kyle Allen. He's losing it to Taylor Heineke, the man who took Maybe. on Tom Brady in a playoff game and almost beat him. He carried that Washington football team on his back. But I have some questions for you here. Titus. Blind squirrel gets a nut. Blind Listen, squirrel gets a nut, everyone. Three in a while. less games over the last two years. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 33 touchdowns. Daniel Jones, 35. Uh, in it over that same stretch, Daniel Jones has 51 turnovers to Ryan Fitzpatrick's 31. Also, the sack numbers not even close. Daniel Dimes has been sacked 30 more times than Ryan Fitzpatrick has been over the last two years. You're gonna sit there and tell me Daniel Jones is a better fantasy option? He's not even a better real life option.
3: He's going. Let me get that overtime. The <laughs> rushing yards are going to play. The, are going to play the differentiator in Daniel Jones. He's going to be more active. He was. He almost let. What did he have last year? He had over 400 rushing yards last year. With, I mean, if we give away that 80 yard scamper, he would have had another another touchdown there if he didn't get bitten by the turf monster. That's fine.
1: Fitzpatrick I mean, still has more rushing touchdowns than him over the last two years too, in less games. Fitzpatrick is a gamer. He's the guy. Say it with he me, wants.
3: Adam. Regression. Nah. Acceleration.
1: Acceleration. I defy Acceleration. you.
0: I defy you to find another fantasy show with us. Heated an argument over Fitzpatrick versus Jones out there. I don't think you'll find it. I don't think you will at all. Uh speaking of Danny Dimes, one of his favorite targets uh, over the well, maybe not favorite of anybody, but uh maybe not even the least favorite in 2021. Evan Ingram, we're gonna find out why Titus thinks that he'll be dropped in targets. Adam begin, my friend.
1: I just want to hear his explanation for this one. This is this is just it. That's the question.
3: <laughs> it's a lot of mouths to feed, man. You get Kenny Galladay coming over there. I think we're going to see a healthy Saquon Barkley. Do you have a lot of faith in Evan Ingram? I mean, we're, we're also talking about a guy that gets hurt literally every single year. There's just, I mean, you have... You already have Sterling Shepard around there, still around. Darius Slayton's still around. And you bring in Kyle Rudolph, who actually was fantasy-relevant For all the years in Minnesota, minus last year, he's a veteran. He's coming in the block. He's definitely going to beef up the line. I think we're going to see less reliance on someone like Evan Ingram, who also has some stone hands as well. So, you know, I just don't see that there's going to be a lot of upside with the amount of weapons that Danny, Danny Dimes currently has around him. Now, can he still be a top 10 fantasy tight end? Sure. But you know if i'm going off of last year's note man he 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 underperformed and i'm expecting him to do that once again this season
1: i mean i get that thought process but the man has been on a 100 target pace every year of his career he's just been reliable he's been that guy and for someone with stone hands let's not forget 2018 70% reception catch rate 2019 65 down a little last year but let's just remember danny dimes didn't have a great year last year his you know, his completion percentage wasn't great. He was up and down. There was a couple Colt McCoy games in there. Like Danny Dimes is, you know, if he's going to take this step forward, he's not leaving an Evan Engram behind. <laughs> Evan Engram is that athletic freak who's just that guy can go up, get the ball over the middle, and he's been consistently. And sure, there are a lot more mouths to feed now. But, you know, Sterling Shepard's targets are gone. Sterling Shepard's not going to see 90 remind, targets Remind me one
3: time, who who did the Giants draft in the first round? <laughs> Kadarius tony their backup slot they, receiver right now <laughs> they, they did and and who they and who they bring over they brought over a guy a disgruntled guy from from uh cincinnati what's his name kenny galladay listen listen i hear what oh, you're I'm saying talking there. about john ross man This is john ross yeah one but, one thing is for sure the giants did they made every reason to not give another excuse for having another shitty year out of a tight end position because they just loaded up in wide receivers so it was like we're not throwing to this bum anymore we got to get some guy that's actually going to get downfield and make some plays.
1: This is the thing, though. With all those guys spreading the field, I think you're going to see Ingram take a step forward in in his efficiency. He had awful numbers. I mean, he's 100 targets, 600 yards. That's just anemic. It's good for a tight end, but I think he's just going to see that step forward. You know, there's plenty of targets out there to go around in this Giants offense. And, you know, regardless of whether they're running Saquon as much or not, it's clear they want to give Danny Dimes the opportunity. They've invested in that. And just even spreading the field out, sure, even if his targets dip, you know, I still think he's going to be around 100, and I think the yardage is going to go up. I just think he's primed. He's a guy who people are sleeping on because they've been bit in the past by him, and I think he's going to have huge value this year. I will agree. We are very close. I have him at 93
3: targets, 600 yards, and four TDs. Could definitely see a little uptick in those in those
4: TDs.
0: I have got the New York Giants as a, I just don't want to watch their offense all, all season long. That's fine. I, I'm okay if I don't draft a single New York Giants player in the mix. So, uh, speaking of somebody I'm probably going to stay away from, but, uh, apparently I shouldn't, according to this, uh, we're going to hear Titus defend his Jalen Hurts ranking. And I, I think, uh, Adam is, is wanting to know about this as well.
2: <laughs>
1: There's just nothing to be said right now. Q- Titus had- be one, run it. Let's go. I mean, he's coming in his QB 10 in the projections right now where they sit. He's ahead of Deshaun Watson. He's ahead of Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, ahead of Jameis, ahead of Kirk Cousins, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, and more importantly, ahead of Justin Fields. Titus, just how is he a top 10 quarterback? There's no way Jalen Hurts is a top 10 quarterback this year. Who's catching the ball for him? Who? Who?
3: That's why we spent that draft capital on Devontae Smith. This guy is going to come in. He's going to show you why the Heisman pedigree is exactly what he needed. He's he's teaming with a guy that he played with before in college. I think they're going to have a dynamic connection. You're going to look at a poor man's Marvin Harrison. Mark it down. I'm calling it out now. This man is going to be a beast possessions receiver. But you're right. Their, their wide receiver corp is, is a little bit understated. You're going to have, you know, obviously Zach Ertz is going to be out of there by the time season starts, but you're going to have a, a great checkdown in Dallas Goddard. This guy's going to have weapons and you're going to see a little bit more activity. I think in the past game, Uh Gainwell was drafted for a reason. We know that, uh, Nick Sirianni loves to pass to his running backs. We saw that last year with Phillip Rivers and Naeem Hines and his emergence. I think we're going to see a better year out of of Miles Sanders. We're going to see a better year out of, Pretty much every Eagles offensive player that you're going to have here. The Indianapolis Colts were phenomenal last year. That's why they brought him in. And Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. They're going to give him more opportunities to throw the ball downfield. Sure, he was like a 51, 52% completion last year. But again, this was his rookie season. He was he was thrown into the fire with a bad offensive line, with a shitty quarterback that had a bad attitude that didn't make his job any easier. New regime. New offense, new players, new motivation to be better. Lock it in. He's a top 10 QB right now. So you're taking him over Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill right now? I'm definitely taking him over Matt Ryan, especially given the Julio news. Love Calvin Ridley this year, but you can pretty much fade almost every other person not named Kyle Pitts on that team. I don't want Matt Ryan. We know who he is. He'll disappear for you in the playoffs or later in the season. Tannehill, I like it, but you know, it, is he gonna get in on the Julio sweepstakes? I, I I wanna know. Is is he gonna get there? Because right now it's just gonna be thrown to AJ just gonna be throwing to AJ Brown and
1: you know, hand it off to Derrick Henry. What else you got there? Josh Reynolds? Nah. Uh, that's a topic. That that that's that's a topic for me to discuss with Scott about Josh Reynolds. I think, but it's just it seems like such a stretch because a guy like Jalen Hurts is so dependent upon his rushing ability, and is Nick Sirianni gonna trust him? to run the ball and make those decisions? And is that offense going to function? I mean, this is the thing. Can they can they get people to bite and defend the pass if and open up the rushing lanes? Because it doesn't seem like they can. It doesn't seem like they have the weapons down the field to do it. QB10 seems high. Maybe some QB15 upside, but... I'm not going to spend that kind of draft. I think that means spending a lot of draft capital on Hertz. I just can't do it because although Devontae Smith does have that Heisman pedigree, I don't think it's that superstar pedigree. I think it's that Peter Warwick pedigree more than anything else.
0: Oh, Peter Warwick. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Deep
0: diving. Spicy.
3: I'm not even mad at that. Wow. That's just the fact that you pulled that. That's, that's tight. Um, I will say, just to close on my remarks, Jalen Hurts locking in for over 700 rushing yards. That's what's going to really be his differentiator in his fantasy value. Lamar Jackson threw for 3,000 yards and had over 1,000 rushing yards, was a QB 5 lock it in. He's going to be right there, right there with him.
0: The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast making the NFC East sound sexy since about 20 minutes ago. All right, we are going to move now to uh, the AFC, back to the AFC, into the Southern Division of the AFC and uh, Scott is here with us to defend his rankings, his projections, uh, and he's got some doozies. He's got ones that I know Adam's licking his chops to figure out what the hell was in his brain. So, uh, Adam, let's go ahead and start with that. Houston backfield scott needs to defend it to you uh, i assume
1: yeah i just i'm trying to make heads or tails of this where you got this three-headed monster coming in between ingram johnson and lindsey and just I, i'm curious what's your logic here on this one for david johnson to be the lead back in houston so, I mean, here's
4: the thought. A lead back in Houston is like, uh, you know, the, the worst player on your JV team. You know, like he, it's not a good thing. You know, it's not something that really matters. Uh, last year with Deshaun Watson, this is last year, they ranked last in, in place per game. The, the, they just, they sucked. They had 890 plays. That's it. They had 344 rushing attempts. I mean, uh, Derrick Henry had more than their whole team, right? And I think it was in that game against them, too. So uh, I'm just not a big fan of Houston. Without Deshaun Watson, they're going to be even worse. Uh, I, I watched a, a little video on their new coach, and I'm scared to death, like literally, of their whole squad. So, I mean, the best I could do is give them 270 rushing attempts because I think their their defense is going to be on the field like, 70 percent of the game watching the other team run up and down the field and just score on them like a varsity on a jv high school team and so i don't think they're going to do anything like i i they they they're just I mean look at look at the projections I have they're real low they're like RB seventy two or, or David Johnson's RB
1: forty two nobody wants any of that that's that's RB four that's gross I just uh, I can't see Philip Lindsay not being the lead back there I think Philip Lindsay is an underrated talent who was done dirty in Denver they should have held onto him he's the better runner than Melvin Gordon we've seen it year in and year out year in and year out and he deserves that chance i mean over the last over the last two years philip Lindsay has had more attempts um, more yards than all those guys better rushing numbers comparable if not better receiving numbers than both of them um he's just you know he's a guy who makes plays he's a scrappy guy and you're going to put him in the backfield with tyrod taylor and you're going to have the all-time chip on your shoulder quarterback running back stack i mean tyrod i think we're all coming to f- grips with the fact that it's going to be Tyrod Taylor under center there, the less and less we hear about Deshaun Watson, he's not even in he's not even at OTAs right now. It feels like it's Tyrod and I feel like this is going to be some of those old school Buffalo Bills teams with Tyrod under center where it's going to be run 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 and so I think there I think you actually could end up having two backs with fantasy relevance here. They're going to be low end RB2 flex plays, but I think they're going to have some upside there and I think Philip Lindsay's going to be the guy and I'd be shocked if Mark Ingram's that guy too. I just can't see it happening. He's just—he's been washed up for a while now. He's just a slow plotter at this point. His yards per carry has been dropping every year. His attempts per game cratered last year. He couldn't produce in a run favorable Ravens offense. I just can't see a situation where Philip Lindsay isn't over 150 rushes. Last word, Scott. I mean. Yeah. I mean, if,
4: if he gets 150 rushes, I, I think that would be uh, the high end, his, his, you know, ceiling for sure. Uh, I think what happens in football is we can see somebody like Philip Lindsay being an effective pass catcher and being a better running back. It doesn't mean the coach is going to do that. You know, David Johnson has veteran equity. He's one of the, you know, was one of the better running backs last couple of years. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be crushing it. I think I gave him, you know, 540 yards, uh, maybe 270 yards passing. So it's not like, you know, I think the, all, the whole offense is just going to be God awful. And and I don't want any of them. I think you can just avoid them in fantasy. The only person I might take a flyer on is Brandon Cooks. If he falls to like the ninth round in my draft, and then I'll grab him but besides that i don't want any of these guys they're gross
0: i don't know about you but i miss me some alfred blue all i'm saying we're gonna move now to a a guy with a lot of questions running now the hype train was real last year uh this season now he's got a new guy throwing him the ball so talk to me guys about dj chark and uh what he's all about
1: I mean, I just looking at these numbers. You know, 105 targets, 74 catches, 965 yards. Not even breaking a thousand yards. I think they're going to be coming out. They're going to be throwing the ball more. They drafted Trevor Lawrence for a reason. They want to throw the ball. The run game is going to be better. And I just don't. And these numbers slot him right in as a wide receiver two, maybe a low end, low low end wide receiver two. And DJ Chark to me is a high end wide receiver <coughs> two, low end wide receiver <coughs> two. Excuse you. He's so, somebody who's yeah. just been a dominant physical force, you know, in the past. And last year, it was mostly just a crappy offense that really unseated him. I don't see how he doesn't get back to those high ceilings from 2019. So I, I have projected for you know 105 targets.
4: Uh, the, the problem I, I see is how they're going to use Travis Etienne. Uh, the, the talk about wanting uh, Kadarius Tony in the first round and not getting him, and now we're going to have this—you know—we're going to run you out of the slot. We're going to be running you. They have Lavisca Chenault as well, and then they brought in Marvin Jones. So you—you you have all there's, there's four people right there. And I don't think DJ Shark is. Uh, terrible. I think he's a good athlete, but I don't think he is that much better than all those players that you have to go to him. I do like him in the red zone, um, I, but I like uh, the ball being distributed a lot, and I don't think there's going to be uh, one receiver who, I mean, I gave him 20 more targets than LaVisca. I have a wide receiver 34. So yeah, it, I don't have as, as high hopes for him. I think Trevor Lawrence runs the football a lot too, uh, and I don't think we're at a position now where it's a Josh Allen uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, um, I think there's we're, we're we're maybe trending there if he you know can get better, but it's not
1: that relationship yet. I mean, there are just there's so many targets to be to go around there, and there's some vacated targets. 88 with Keelan Cole leaving, 63 with Chris Conley leaving. You know, there's about 150 targets right there out the door that need to be replaced. And sure, some of those are going to go LaVisca Chenault's way. Some of those might go Travis Etienne's way. But look at it. You know, James Robinson was targeted 60 times last year. Colin Johnson was targeted 31 times. Thompson and De- and Wale were targeted 43 times. There are <laughs> plenty job. of backs getting targeted out the backfield there. That's 103 running back targets that are still going to be there. That are still there for Travis Etienne. I think DJ Chuck's going to take more of those Keelan Cole and Chris Conley targets than anything else. And they're still going to be plenty left over for Chanel, even if they're going to run etn out of the slot. I just, I don't see how he's not pushing 120 targets this year. Again, I think he's going to be a guy we're going to look up at the end of the season. He's going to be a wide receiver one, and we're going to be wondering why he was going in round six.
4: I like how in that he went from wide receiver two to wide receiver one.
1: That was a hell of a, you I, said, I said he's a high-end <laughs> wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one. Okay. And I think the ceiling's there. I think the wide yeah. receiver one ceiling is there with an improved Jacksonville offense. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is better than Gardner Minshew. I think the offense is going to be better. And I just think the opportunity's there because he also sat out three games last year. He didn't play in three games last year. That's what I'm concerned about a little bit too.
0: How dare you besmirch the good name of Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania is alive and well. All right. We're going to step away. We're going to pay some bills, but when we come back, it is Adam's turn in the hot seat as our guests are going to uh, take it to the principal and figure out what he was thinking in his AFC East ranking. So uh, when we come back, we'll have Adam in the hot seat, but for now, let's uh, pay some bills. As always, this episode of the show is brought to you by WinBet. We are bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas Experience. Go get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports games. There's always generous promos, odds, parlays. It's all happening right now at WinBet. And if you get started today, we're going to give you a special offer. It's up to $500 of (laughs) risk-free sports bets. As always, terms and conditions applies. Get the detail right now at WinBet, wynn Bet. And download the app today if you are like me you constantly feel on right you have social media to check you got email to check you got wives you got kids you got everything under the sun that keeps you on what do you do though? When you need a moment to chill. How do you like to hit the reset button and get ready for what's next? Well, I'll tell you, these days, everything is go, 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 go. Nothing. Nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family. As I said it already, I'll say it a million times. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That, my friends, is when you go to the fridge and grab your Coors Light. It's made to chill. Remember now, Coors Light is cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally, and I mean this, literally made to chill. It's a as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves. It's perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA champions and Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like, but you think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. PropSwap is making it easy to profit these playoffs by trading in and out teams as the postseason progresses. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time. Last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup future for $45 when the team was down three to one against the Maple Leafs. A few days later, Flipped it for six hundred bucks. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money; it just needs to improve. Think stock market, but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to five hundred dollars in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. We're now officially on the App Store and the Google Play Store. That's right, the SGPN app is now live, folks. The app is easy and it easily gives you access to all of our picks and our podcasts. And I mean this because I've used it. I used it during our rollout session. And now that we're completely 100% live, I can say with 100% certainty that this app is easy to use. Plus, this is the most important part. The app is the exclusive way to enter all the SGPN contests, including our SGPN $1,000 NBA finals free roll. All you got to do, folks, download the app, hit the contest tab for your chance to take home $1,000. Don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. back again with more of the SGP and fantasy football podcast. It is now time to turn the tables and get to grill Adam on his uh, rankings and his projections. And you know, you give it, now you can get it. Uh, And we are going to start, let's see the jets running back situation. Adam, you have to defend yourself. And I believe Nick is chomping at the bit here to get back at you to try to figure out where your head was at there. So Nick, I'm going to let you take this away.
2: Well, first we're talking about the Jets backfield, so I'm not sure how fantasy relevant any of these guys are. But I am a little perplexed at your amount of touches and and the distribution between, you know, the four or five running backs listed here. Uh, you know, you have uh, Michael Carter getting the most touches, followed by LaMichael P. Ryan, uh, then Ty Johnson, and then Tevin Coleman. And, you know, perhaps the most proven running back in this mix here is Tevin Coleman, who comes over from the 49ers. Granted, he has a, a history of being injured, but uh, I think he might get more touches here than, than, than you have uh, going his way. And it, just in general, I'm curious as your thoughts on how this backfield will play out to start the season uh, compared to you know, how it will finish. I mean, Tevin
1: Coleman just feels like the classic coach bringing in his guy, going to get him a couple checks, get him that extra year towards vestment. Um, just bringing him in, guy who knows the system. You know, last year in San Francisco, eight games, one start, 28 rushes, 53 yards. You know, we know what Tevin Coleman is. He doesn't have that upside. The Jets are a team that's trying to figure themselves out and establish an identity. So I can't see them really going back to the well on Tevin Coleman a lot. Um, I do think they're going to be very similar to San Francisco of years past, where there's three kind of backs and it's a hot hand and you're trying to hit it just right. I do think by the end of the year, it's going to be Michael Carter, you know, as we talk about, they did spend draft capital on him. He is a, you know, he's a capable running back. He's a competent guy. He can do stuff with the ball in his hands. I don't know that he's going to be that absolute game breaker, that guy who can shoulder a huge load. I am interested in Michael P Ryan as well as a prime Adam Gase Freedom Watch candidate. And Ty Johnson flashed a whole bunch last year. There were times when he looked like the best player in that backfield, especially in the passing game out of the backfield. And that's going to be a huge benefit for Zach Wilson. Um, It's probably not overly fantasy relevant, but these are guys you're taking in like round 12. You know, the Jets running backs need to be owned because there is a chance somebody emerges as the guy. And at the end of the day, you do got to start In any league, you got four or five slots you can start a running back in. And if you're in PPR, those guys are going to have some games where they're going to be effective and competent. So you're going to draft them. I just don't know that you're going to rely on them as a starting running back. They might be an interesting RB0 candidate. Um, But I think Michael Carter is going to end up being the guy, and I don't think Tevin Coleman has anything left in the tank. I mean, he's never been impressive anywhere he's ever been.
2: Well, you bring up the passing game. He may be the the you know, the best running back out of the backfield in this mix. At least he you know, he has some 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 history to uh to prove that. And you mentioned his relationship with the coach. That means that he's going to get playing time. He he can be trusted, especially in a very young offense. He's a veteran that can provide some leadership and get maybe a couple more touches than you think. I mean, I just
1: think if they're going to go to a pass catching back, they're going to go to Ty Johnson. He's younger, he's got more upside. Um, You know, he's flashed some potential before, you know, in 2019, 30 targets with Detroit last year between Detroit and New York, 20 targets in limited playing time. And he looks solid with those and he's done work with them. And I just, I could see him really emerging as the more Tevin Coleman receiving role. I think Tevin Coleman's just there to help everybody learn the playbook.
0: Thank you, Nick. That was a good grilling of our principal. Uh, let's continue on another running back. I feel like running backs are just what we should always talk about because there's so many of them and there's so many, uh, questions are surrounding them. So Titus, I believe this was your opportunity to, uh, go ahead and let Adam have it against one of his favorite guys from his favorite teams and one Zach Moss. Titus, what you, on your mind?
3: Yeah, so I actually really like what you have going on for Moss. But my bigger question is, what is going on with Devin Singletary? I mean, I get it. You know, this third round pick in two years ago hasn't really panned out. They drafted in the second round uh, Zach Moss last year. Why do you have so much faith in this bum? The guy is like five foot seven of nothing he drops the ball. He had four fumbles in his rookie season. He had a couple of fumbles last year. The guy lost his job, essentially. And right now, you have a almost, I mean, you're giving him some pretty good credibility here. You're giving him 130 carries this year for 600 plus yards, and not to mention 263 receiving yards. So you're almost giving 1,000 yards to a backup. I mean, if you really believe in Zach Moss, man, let's go all in on this because I'm with you. I think this guy's going to be the dude this year. He's going to take that next level up. But what's up with Devin Singletary, though?
1: Zach Moss is definitely going to take that step. But the thing with the Bills is, is they understand who they are more than most teams. They have a good idea of who they are. They understand that Josh Allen is their goal back, and that every other running back is just there because they can't run Josh Allen 300 times. And at the end of the day, Devin Singletary for this bum, as you want to call him, in his rookie year, 2019, he didn't start playing regularly until week six. And even then, he didn't see his first double digit touch game until week nine. From week nine onwards. So, over that stretch, eight games, 130 attempts, 603 yards on a per game basis, 75 yards on the ground, 17 yards through the air, and wasn't as good getting touchdowns. But that's okay. You know, last year, you looked at it. He was consistent, and the problem with the Bills running backs last year had nothing to do with the running backs. You listen to everything Brandon Bean says, and they look at it as a failure of the offensive line. Their line was banged up from the jump. They were doing a whole lot of shuffling around. They're hoping they're going to be healthier this year. They've got guys coming back. They're just going to keep getting better. So, yeah, I think Zach Moss is going to see more of that lead back role. But I also think Devin Singletary is going to be do more of what he's better at, which is get the ball in space and make guys miss. And I think that's where, yeah, he I think the Bills are going to have two backs. They're going to be close to a thousand all-purpose yards each because they have the talent to spread that ball around. And everybody's going to be so focused on Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and... Uh, Gabe Davis over the top that and Emmanuel Sanders a little bit that they're not going to worry about the running backs as much.
3: Very interesting that you brought up elusiveness because actually Devin Singletary is not as elusive as Zach Moss. Zach Moss ranked uh, twenty. Oh, Zach Moss ranked number seven in evade or sorry seven in juke rate twenty seven in evaded tackles last year. Devin Singletary was. 29th in juke rate, 22 in evaded tackle. So, give me Zach Moss, man. Devin Singletary is not going to have much of a role.
1: 600, almost a thousand all-purpose yards. Crazy. I think it's going to be a thousand each. I think it's going to be a straight split, and they're both going to be, you know, low-end RB two candidates. They're both going to be guys you want to be rostering because I think that you know that offense is good, and there's going to be opportunities.
0: Question: Adam, how many tables do you own, and how many tables will you own by the end of the season? That's all I want to know as a Bills fan.
1: Oh no no no! It's a closed loop. You get one, you smash it, you get a new one. That's just how it is. There's a there's a table to be smashed, and it'll happen. Don't worry.
0: Uh, all right, let us move to the warm temperatures of Miami and uh, the Dolphins' ride receiver situation, Scott wants to take a, a couple of particular interests uh, with you over this wide receiver position. So, Scott, uh, you, are, you are muted, by the way. I don't have a cough guard, so we're going to have to have you unmute yourself because, you know, uh, it's all good. But anyways, the wide receiver position in, in the Dolphins' territory. Scott, Proceed.
4: Yeah, thanks guys. I actually thought I was running the board here and I could turn down my mic. Uh, well, please forgive me. Uh, I'm running the board now. I am up and running. Uh, so here's my problem uh, with, with your uh, rankings here, Adam, is that you have Devontae Parker with 113 targets. It's 10 more targets than he got last year. He got 103 last year. And yeah, he got a 17-game season. Give him a couple more targets. I get it. Uh, You know, and also he only played 14 games. So give him a couple more targets. I get it. Not that much. Not a big bump being, you know, kind of conservative. Here's the problem, though. They could have given him more targets last year. They were throwing to anybody but him. And so I want to understand last year where they had 150 targets that they split between Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, uh, Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden, Matt. Mac Hollins, they did anything but throw the ball to him last year. Why are they going to all of a sudden throw the ball to him now when they brought in Will Fuller and, and Jalen Waddle? That just seems kind of productive in my understanding of how football works. When you suck, you don't get rewarded, and then you don't get two wide receivers brought in, and then you get elevated. So tell me how that works. I, By the way, I am an evaluator as an educator. It's what I do, uh, and I am the principal as well. So well, welcome <laughs> to my principal's office. You call me Lee Russell. I'm the vice
2: principal. here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because he's, he's not going to be the focus of that defenses defenses were keying in on Devonte Parker last year. Who are they worried about? Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden, Preston Williams. They're not worried about any of those guys. Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle are NFL wide receivers. I love Jakeem Grant. I love Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden, Preston Williams. You and I got issues. Okay. I was all aboard the Preston Williams hype train and then he just failed miserably. Um, I just think that with that talent elevating and thinking that maybe Tua will take those steps, but probably won't. But at the end of the day, I think Parker is going to have less coverage rolling his way, which is going to lead to be more opportunities because teams are going to have to take away Will Fuller over the top. Teams are going to have to have safeties paying attention to Jalen Waddle working out of the slot because there is just so many weapons on the field now. Devontae Parker isn't going to be the focus. Mike Gusecki isn't going to be the focus. You know, this team is going to take a step forward offensively if Tua can do it. If not, they do have Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is perfectly competent and can do that. And again, like you said, last year, Devontae Parker, 103 targets, only played in 14 games, though. Let's just remember that, you know, he had 128 the year before. They clearly want to feed him. They view him as their wide receiver. One, last year in 2020... He had two uh ten, two double digit target games, two hundred yard games. And I think that's more a product of bad quarterback play with a full offseason. Hopefully Tua fully recovered. You know, if you if you're thinking Tua can do something, Devontae Parker at the end of the day is a guy who's gonna be available in round six, seven, eight, who's gonna get production and who you're gonna like and you're gonna wanna have on your roster. I mean, he's he's the he's the wide receiver one on his team. You have to target him.
4: Uh, imagine if the Dolphins had a quarterback like I don't know Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know <laughs> they, they
1: they cut the wrong guy. Right, they keep Fitzpatrick oh, there, and that team gonna that team scares me. Right, Looking at the Dolphins that, division, right? I'm not scared of them. Like honest to God, I'm like we get to play two or twice. Thank you, thank <laughs> yeah. you, and have a nice day. <laughs> now, I like your I like your
4: reasoning. Uh, all the other players are so good that he's wide open. I yeah
0: that. <laughs> Uh, I'm telling you right now, this is probably, look, as quality control, I'm not even going to set a clock because I am with four professionals that absolutely killed it. What I will say, though, as I will add my two cents, is that once Rodgers goes to Denver, everybody's, uh, you know, uh, projections for those Broncos are all mute. So you're going to have to go back and do, uh, uh, mute, not mute. Well, I mean, you can mute it, but whatever. Uh, Yeah, you'll have to go back and do a a heavy lifting
1: on that like Scott should have done while he's hacking up a lung over there. Yeah, like Scott should (laughs) have (laughs) done. Straight guy. Over here. That's, that's all the deck work I've been putting in, you know?
4: <laughs> I can smoke what my neighbors do. So every day I'm out there breathing their cigarette smoke if I'm working on my deck, I'm like, black lung over here. It's killing me. <laughs>
0: Uh, gentlemen, listen, this was a blast. Like I said, I've got nothing to add to it. You guys already nailed every single aspect of it. Um, Adam, as far as the last word for the principal, what, what do you got to say to all of us? What do you have to say to everybody listening about these projections when to expect them and, uh, what, what to expect from them?
1: Uh, We're going to have them drop in later, uh, probably early next week is our goal. We're going to drop them next week. They'll be over on the sports gambling podcast, Um, comprehensive projections for all 32 teams. We will be going up and updating them every so often. It's the start of this big fantasy push. We got a whole bunch of great stuff coming. Um, We got rankings that are going to be updated every week. We got everybody on fantasy pros stuff going up there. We're going to have articles coming out here. Pay attention for our draft kits going to be available August one, everything and anything you could need for fantasy football purposes, going to be out there with one of the deepest and most talented fantasy staffs out there.
0: Oh yeah. And I'm a part of it too. Uh, All right. And then gentlemen, I'm going to have you guys uh, plug where you're going to be on social media, where everybody can find you. We'll start with Titus Titus, where can everybody find you on social media?
3: Yeah. y'all. Uh, Find me at Dan Titus, at Dan Titus. Super creative, I know, but I'm going to be pumping out tons of fantasy football stuff come season's end, uh, as well as fantasy basketball, all tons of stuff. So follow me there. Give me all your questions. Ask me anything. I'm around. Nick, how about you? Where where can everybody find you?
2: Yeah, man. NC underscore Nick on Twitter. I'm a regular on the college experience, college football and college basketball. Uh, Yeah, man. Check it out. Scott, one more plug for you, buddy.
4: Oh man, I'm everywhere. Uh, you can find me at nimble w numbers. You can find me at that's on Twitter at nimblew numbers.com as well. FF Millionaires on Twitter, Chalk Blocked on Twitter, FF Hot Stove on Twitter. I got a show right after we're recording, but uh, I got a show after this. Uh, I'm having Dave Lofgren from Awesome on Chalk Block tonight with myself and Bo Mc, big time. So go back in time and listen to that show if you find it because uh, Lofty is awesome. We're DFS guys in here. Uh, and if you want to win some money, you talk to Dave Lofgren. So we're going to do that tonight and get our whole game plan of how we're going to win lots of cash in the 2020 season. I can't wait.
0: When When Adam said a talented staff, three quarters of it is Scott. So, Adam, where can they find you on social media?
1: (laughs) Uh, You can find me at Adam Pelletier on Twitter. A little quiet these days. Been quiet because uh, the end of the school year. So, been plenty, plenty busy there, but getting ready for everything. And it's going to be a good time, y'all. Busy. Building
0: an empire is what he's doing. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us at the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks to Dan. Thanks to Nick. Thanks to Scott. Thanks to Adam. Thanks to you for listening. I hope you guys got some valuable information, and uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Until then, let it ride.
4: Oh,